Hi everyone, welcome to the MMNM podcast. I'm Steve Madden, I'm the Editor-in-Chief and General Manager of MMNM. I'm coming to, to you live from Health 2021, uh, right on the floor in a beautiful podcast center that they've built here uh, in my hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. My guest on this version of the, uh, the podcast is Jose Ferreira, Senior Vice President for Product and Innovation at CMI Media. Jose, welcome. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. What brings you to, uh, to Health 2021? It's my first time here, actually, so I'm excited to just take it all in, um, participate in some sessions, get some learnings, um, kind of check out some of the booths, uh, see if there's anything uh, of interest, some sort of collaboration that could potentially come out of this with uh, people presenting here. So basically open to the whole experience and um, uh, hoping to get some takeaways to take back to the office. So you're uh, one of the lucky guys who has the word innovation in your title. What, uh, what strikes you, uh, maybe you haven't been here long enough, but is there anything particularly innovative about what you're seeing or hearing here? Not, I mean, I feel like innovation is such a big term and it's probably an overused term. I, I think of innovation really as problem solving and building things that are going to solve either problems that exist today or problems that are going to emerge down the line. Um, there's nothing that, I, I mean, I've been here for half a day so far, so there's nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing specifically that I could point to. Uh, there's been a couple sessions that I've been in that, I, I mean, there's been some good quotes, like some good ideas that I've heard so far, not necessarily directly related to my business, but still just from like a high level um, thought perspective, I, I found interesting. How does it feel to be back at a live conference? It feels extremely good. Like... Besides, I mean, still wearing the mask, so, like, you still have that, like, in the back of your mind that, like, you know, we're not past this, but it's, I, this is my first time at a large-scale event of, of this size um, um, post-COVID. Yeah, I think the thing I like most about being at a conference is not looking at a screen. <laughs> yeah. Look, looking, looking at actually live, uh, actual live people. I know. I've been, we, I, we've, we've been working remotely this entire time, and I've been in the office one day uh, in the last kind of one year and nine months, and it was just to like film a video session there where we could get uh, a few different people in the office at the same time. Do you find that that uh, that work? Uh, you know, I think everyone would say that work, the nature of work, has changed. But has the product changed at all because of working remote? I don't. I don't think. Maybe at the margins it has. I. Th I think. When you're talking about like innovation and, 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 and stuff like that, like you can't replace people being in a room and ideating and like putting things on a, on a whiteboard. Like that can't be reproduced virtually, I don't think. Uh, at least that's like the only part that I miss is, well, I, I think there's two things. There's that where like you're actually walking by somebody's desk and like, hey, I was just thinking about X. What do you think about that? Versus like, let me ping you on some sort of messaging service that we subscribe. We use Teams, for example. It's just not the same. I feel like it's like that like immediate feedback and like getting their actual uh, physical reaction to what you're saying is completely gone. Uh, and the second thing is like for there's just too much stimuli when you're working virtually, right? <laughs> so, like, when I really, like, like, we do, like, a lot, like, new products that we build and things of that nature, like, a lot of the work we do is change management. It's, like, we got to get people to adopt these things right. because there's value in it. And then when you're trying to have 
training sessions with folks, it's like when you're doing it virtually, I mean, I'm on calls all day and sometimes when I'm not like an active participant, I'm multitasking. You have to assume that like when you're doing a training that at least 50% of the people are, are like half tuned out to what, whatever you're doing. So that's the other piece. When you're in a room, it's mu- you, can't, you can't multitask because like I can see you or right. the trainer can see you right. and they're not going to be like slacking off while, while uh, that training is going on. I think it's, it's funny because you can have uh, a difficult conversation with someone in person that feels much less difficult than it does if you're trying to do it virtually. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, yeah, when you take away that, like, uh, I don't know, that emotional layer, it's it's a completely different dynamic. Right. Like, you have to, like, get that. Like, you can't read body language, like, on a box on, on a screen, and then there's, like, ten people in boxes on the screen. It's You're so distant from that person. Well, let's hope that this is not uh, an awkward or painful conversation. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things you told me before we started that uh, that I find absolutely amazing is that you have worked for CMI for 17 years. Yeah. You said it was your first job out of college. That's right. Uh, and actually, I, I have to think about it because I think it's 17. I, almost, I forget at this point, but I think it's 17. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was my first job out of college. Uh, I had a friend who was working at CMI who recommended me for an entry-level position. That person is actually still at CMI as well, so they've been here with the company for 18-plus years. Mm -hmm. And it's not rare within the organization itself to have kind of long-tenured employees. The first employee is still with the company. I know at least 10 people in the company that have been there longer than I have and were there for a long time before I even started. Um, I think what's, what's, what's... I mean, the thing that people always ask when they hear that is like, what's keeping you there, right? Um, It's a great question. Yeah, what is keeping you there? Yeah. uh, I think it's, I mean, it's the culture. We've always had like this kind of family atmosphere. And I think we maintain that even though we've grown to, what, 800 employees at this point. And we were acquired by the largest holding company in the advertising industry. But we're still kind of, there's like this like family um, dynamic that is still alive within the company, I think. Um, and when the company's growing and um, kind of executive leadership is open to new ideas, then there's opportunities to grow. So, like, most people that are coming in are not stagnant. Like, you're not getting into a job and you're stuck in that job for five, ten years. If you're showing the initiative, if you're working hard, then you're moving up, you're taking on bigger and bigger projects. Um, so it's not something that we just pay lip service to, I right. feel like, at CMI. It's something that actually has... I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. And I've seen it in other people as well. Do you think that uh, the fact that you've been there for 17 years uh, helps you drive innovation? Because then you know how to get it through the organization? I think it does in that regard, yeah. Like, I've seen... Like, I know where all the bodies are buried, so to speak, right? So, like, I know how to get from point A to point B to point C. And I feel like... A lot of people that we've brought in uh, from the outside, I've, I've kind of helped them like, like at more senior levels kind of get their vision to fruition in a lot of ways. So like, um, I feel like it's definitely an asset to just understand like who all the stakeholders are, what their roles and responsibilities are. Because you can read job descriptions, you can see titles, but like every organization is a matrix organization. There's like three or four people that are involved in everything. Right. 
what um, what are you working on now that uh, that's that's taking up your time and interest? Yeah, so there's there's two kind of core products that I that I oversee. Um, one is our Empower platform, which is kind of the backend database that powers our entire planning, strategy, insights, activation, execution, and measurement process. Um, uh, and that's like a database of all consumers in the United States, database of all healthcare professionals in the United States. And then we have additional pieces of information that we play out on top of that that enable us to have that entire kind of ecosystem of, of planning in place. The second piece is what we call ProAct, which is our media automation technology. So three years ago, we saw an opportunity to kind of vastly expand uh, our footprint in the omni-channel space. Mm -hmm. um, omni-channel, I mean, it's, it's a huge buzzword in every industry, I feel like, at this right. point. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I think, it, generally speaking, it means like having a, 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 a good customer experience in every interaction that a customer has with a brand or company, whatever. Um, but for in our world, what that means is um, orchestrating our media plans, either for a consumer or a healthcare professional, to basically serve what we deem to be the next best action in any given scenario. So we're collecting data at scale from a variety of sources. Um, we are basically plotting out subjectively in a lot of ways for them to start. What are the sequence of messages that a customer needs to see if they fit a specific persona or profile? And then in some cases, we're layering on top AI and machine learning to determine what those next actions need to be. That's something that I think is probably the future. I don't think, not probably, it is the future yeah. of media mm -hmm. and marketing. Uh, and I think we're still really just scratching the surface. We've been at this for three years. I feel like we've gotten to a pretty good place. And now we're expanding into a variety of new areas. Like we have a rep application. Um, we're expanding much greater into the consumer space where this started on the HCP side. Has, uh, has COVID hastened the development of this, do you think? It, it, it hasn't been bad for business, <laughs> I would say that. Uh, but uh, we started it before COVID, but I think moving into a more virtual environment, the grounding of the sales force in, in healthcare marketing has been uh, kind of an accelerator for this kind of thinking and more of an omni-channel presence for all companies. Like, all of our clients are talking about omni-channel. They're trying to crack this nut. Um, we're helping them on that MPP space, but obviously within a large, like, Fortune 500 pharmaceutical company, um, they're thinking about it in all pieces of their, their marketing environment. So media, sales reps, MSLs, conferences, every single touch point that they have with a customer. Including Health 2021? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even Health 21. <laughs> you, can, you can hear the music in the background. I don't know what's, uh, what's going on, but it sounds as if there might be uh, entertainment at lunch. Yeah. Uh, good to know. Um, so if you're talking about uh, using every, cons every touch point that you can with, uh, with consumers, uh, or cu sorry, customers, I think it's probably a better word, um, how, does, how do DE&I efforts fit into this? Because, um, because surely you need to take that into account about uh, different groups uh, with different use cases. It's a great question. I think DE&I has become 
kind of this bear that everybody has to tackle, right? And I think in our space, one of the solutions that we've been thinking about or developing for this is like that rep extension. Basically, we're enabling the rep to make kind of territorial decisions about media mix. Not that, I mean, we don't expect them to be media experts necessarily, but we're giving them all of the tools to be able to um, know what the needs, um, the, the demographic makeup, the wants of the healthcare professional and the consumers within a specific landscape and then make decisions about what the media needs to be. I'll give you an example. Yeah. So like, uh, I grew up like, I'm first generation, my family's Portuguese. I grew up in a town that is a quarter Portuguese. I went to a healthcare professional who was not Portuguese. He was, he's Filipino, but he had on staff, he had all Portuguese speakers. So like everybody that is Portuguese in this town is going to that healthcare professional. Um, there's no way for us to know that through like traditional data sources. So you have to have some somebody that is working at the community level. And I think as pharma evolves, that could be a role that a sales rep plays. Like post COVID, it's harder to get into it's harder to get into those offices, but they have the subjective understanding of what a community needs more so than the home office that's designing a media plan for like a national level. And that could be, I mean, when we started talking about DNI, I've been thinking of that as possibly a model that is viable into the future um, to be more customer centric and to um, kind of deliver on this idea of being more inclusive, being more equitable and having media that is tailored to the, the needs of various different communities. It's funny, uh, you know, we had a prep call before Jose will be speaking on a panel this afternoon that MM&M is sponsoring about DE&I, and we had a prep call last week, and one of the other speakers said that um, in some ways a person's a patient's zip code can tell you more about them, uh, or about the quality of care that they receive rather than their genetic code, more, more than their genetic code can. So your, your point about uh, the local level um, is is a good one, and I think it's it's shared across the industry. Um, you said that you had been working on a couple of different projects. The multi-channel, uh, omni-channel, being one of them. Is there uh, anything else you're working on that uh, that excites you? Uh, th- there's a couple other things that are kind of bubbling, but nothing we're we're ready to nothing talk you about. Can talk about <laughs> Not, nothing to talk about publicly yet. But uh, I mean. I've touched on a lot of like my my product hat and then the other pieces, innovation and thinking about what are the other things we should be building or accounting for to service our clients better. Um, but um, there's a couple things that we're, think we're dabbling in and in the social space uh, and a couple other areas that I'm excited about that we'll probably be announcing maybe at Health 2022, who knows, uh, but uh, excited for those things. Well, consider it an open invitation to... Uh when you're ready to talk about it, to come back to the MM&M podcast and let us know all about it. Excellent. Jose, thanks very much. My guest has been Jose Ferreira, Senior Vice President for Product and Innovation at CMI Media. Jose, thanks. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the MM&M podcast, live from Health 2021. So long, everyone.